We finished up chapter 7 last week. Anybody remember what we did in chapter 7? We tuned up who? The husbands, didn't we? I brought the pliers and the screwdriver, and man, we, uh, we gave them a tune-up. And uh, ladies, have anybody noticed a change in them a little bit? Or <laughs> He was already perfect. Oh, now listen at this. Listen at this. It's getting mushy. Getting mushy in here. So, hallelujah. All right. Tonight, we're going <laughs> to... We're going to continue to work on them a little bit. We're going to teach them how to love and lead. How to love and lead. Can everybody say L and L? Love and lead. Love and lead. I like that. That's going to be kind of the... Uh, and let me see. Did everybody get a study guide? Let me make sure you got that too before we get too far. Praise the Lord. Uh, I like the way this chapter starts. It, it's kind of a... Thought-provoking. If you if you received word that you have a terminal illness, as you begin reflecting upon your marriage or really even upon your life, what would your first thoughts be? Would they be full of gratitude or full of regrets for the years you've had with your wife? So uh, something to think about, isn't it? You know, we we don't think about death. And dying very much, do we? We get so busy living that we forget about dying. But guess what? Some people died today. Some people died today. And when you have, a, you know, a funeral in your family, like this brother's had three just in the last couple of weeks here, it, uh, it makes you reflect on it a little more, doesn't it? It's uh, yes, yes, and he. He was uh, knocking on the door not too long ago, huh? Just uh, nip and tuck there for a few days. And Jeff, by the way, is doing better. So thank you for your prayers. Amen. It's, uh, I know myself, when I'm laying, there's only been a few times in my life when I've been laying flat on my back. You know, God has blessed me tremendously with great health. But I did have hernia surgery two times in my life, so I had to slow down for about a week. I think on the eighth day, I was back on my Harley, <laughs> right, riding that down the road. I was like, man, I'm tired of laying around in this, in this house here. But uh, anyway, it, it gives you a chance to do some reflecting on life. And the author starts this out just by saying, you know, uh, what, what if this happened? You know, would you, would you have a life full of regrets or gratitude? Let's, let's live life the way God would want us to. What do you say? Is that a good plan? Is it a better plan? Anybody ever tried both? <laughs> yeah. Which one's better? Uh, you hear me say it a lot up here. Life is better in Christ. God knew what he was doing when he made you men. And he knew what he was doing when he made you women. And together, you put them together, and you've got something complete. Amen? God is, you know, he, he, he's, he's the creator and he had a great plan for man. It's just the fact that he gave us the chance to mess it up, <laughs> didn't he? He gave us all the, we, heard, we use that term in our minister's training class, free moral agents. You know, you don't have to be married. You can shack up. You can do all kinds of different things if you want to, right? You don't have to be, but God said this is, this is the best way right here to be, to be married. So 
Uh, we're gonna we're gonna again work on the guys some here I believe at the start and then uh, chapter nine is a little bit about submission which is to both guys and gals. How many knew that? It's not just for ladies only, guys. Amen. That's a we're gonna find out that's a misconception. We think the Bible says wives submit yourselves. You know, well it's it's a co co submission. We're gonna find that out. So anyway, we should as husbands be representing Christ want to love and lead like Jesus. Here's some descriptive words here on page 100 in my book. Yours may be uh, different. I think in John's book, it's about four or five pages forward, isn't it, if I remember right? Yeah, so anyway, but it's uh, a God-designed marriage. I like, I like his descriptive words here in this, in this part. God, a God-designed marriage is like a joyful river of intoxicating, intoxicating blessings. It is as fruitful vine that delightfully grows around our lives. Here's another one. Our God, a God-designed marriage is such a wonderful gift. Everybody say gift. That like Jacob waiting for your bride seven years, even at the cost of hard labor, would seem but a moment. He said that in Genesis 29. You remember that? He worked seven years for Rachel. He loved her so much. A God-designed marriage is an endless subscription. I like that, too, descriptive. To, to regular packages of goodness and favor from the Lord. I mean, like a good package. Amen? Yeah. Hallelujah. Amazon, right? <laughs> it's good to know that you've ordered something, and in about two days you see it laying out there on the, on the front porch. So uh, he says it's like an endless subscription. How many would like to get a package every day? <laughs> Amen. A God-designed marriage gives us a companion or a partner. We talked about that early on. I think John, a partner of our youth to whom we make a lifelong covenant. A God-designed marriage is one we enjoy so much that for the past 4,000 years, godly men sport like that. Any of you guys and gals sport out there <laughs> with, with your spouses, right? So uh, anyway, life can be fun, right? And, and that's kind of what he's talking about here, like Isaac and Rebecca. So, a wordful, I believe a word-filled marriage is a no-regrets marriage and becomes a small snapshot of the delights of heaven. Such a marriage is a living portrait of the perfect love of Jesus. And he, the author here says, if I were to ask your wife how your love compares with Christ, what would she say? Thought-provoking, isn't it? Thought-provoking. Is there room for improvement, guys? Always, always. That's, I think I sent that out in the text today. So, all unattended marriages begin to slowly decline in closeness, intimacy, fruitfulness, and blessing. Is that true? If we don't nurture it. If we don't nurture it. We begin to take each other for granted, don't we? And we become more honest, too honest, sometimes with our spouse. Can we say amen? We can get into a little uh, discussion that turns into one the neighbors can hear sometimes, you know, right? It can get, it can get crazy. So the, the goal of this second part of this book, we started with a word-filled life. 
We start now on the second part with a word-filled marriage. That's the goal, isn't it? To, to, to be so in love with Christ that we love our wives, we lead our wives as Christ would, would lead them. So question number one, here it is. It is a good idea to periodically have a refresher course in what the Lord has to say about our God-designed responsibilities as husbands. Every time I take a couple through, <clears throat> through premarital counseling, it helps my marriage. Is that right, Biff? <laughs> yeah, I'll come home talking about it sometimes. You know, hey, man, we went over the his needs, her needs, or the love languages. Or In fact, we're going to mention those tonight here in a little bit. But anyway, it, it, it's good because I don't care what it is in life. You can become complacent in your spiritual walk, in your marriage, in your work, anything. John. Prayer time, yeah. That's what God's really hammering me on right now. And it's already starting to pay off. I have since Ardmore been praying more. And uh, wow, been praying for this uh, minister's training class. We graduated a bunch of them. I want some more. And Lisa found maybe perhaps another one today. There's been two or three that's, that are going to start uh, getting into this class. That's my heart. And uh, then finding a building. For, for this body that's we were standing there in the altar at Ardmore and, and he said believe God for something big and I was like I'm believing God for a building very soon we've been patient we haven't complained this building has served our needs but I'm uh, it's really up at the top of my prayer list right now can y'all get in agreement with me hallelujah praise God so word filled husbands love and they lead. They what? Love and lead. Let's say, I want you to, if you don't get anything else tonight, word-filled husbands love and lead. They love and they lead. So, we're going to first of all, uh, and that's the two basic uh, primary responsibilities is to love and to lead. That's, uh, is that question number two? Yeah, okay, there you go. Love lead is the answer. Let me get my study guide open here so I can follow along with y'all. Would <laughs> that be good? So we're going to talk a little bit about, I'm going to kind of dig in a little bit more here on the love part. A word-filled husband loves. Paul uh, commands that husbands, what? Love their wives. Let's pull up that scripture, Bev, Ephesians 5, I believe it is. Is that it? Let me see here. One second. No, that's not it. That's not it. Uh, yeah. I'll hold it. Here we go once again. I'm confused. I'm, I'm the one confused, y'all. It's not her, okay? I look down here at my notes and, and see things that written in the columns here. Uh, but that will work right there. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. We need to be loving our wives. Amen? Hallelujah. We've chose them to be our partner. We made even a covenant with them. If you, and I think I asked in the first session or something, uh, you know, there, there are people here that have gone through divorce. There are people here that have lost a spouse. And again, I know it can throw a ripple in your life. Right? 
anybody that's going to walk through some of that, it can, uh, it can definitely uh, alter uh, your life to a great degree. And I just say tonight, I'm going to say it while she's here, my niece back there, I'm so proud of her. They've walked through a lot of, a lot of tough, I married them 15 years ago in my living room. Yeah, uh, in my living room, and and yet, man, every time I see them walk in, I just about cry. I mean, it just blesses me because I know they've been to hell and back, and they fought the devil, and they've won, and that's uh, a credit to them and to God. Amen. Just hang in there for one more round, right? Hang in there, one more round. Praise God. So, husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. How much did he love the church? Enough to die for the church. And that's what he says here. He gave himself for her. So uh, we'll just kind of skip through some of this. I think that we are to, let me add this in there. We are to nourish them, cherish them, protect them, satisfy them, provide for them, care for them, sacrifice for them, to the same degree and extent and in the same manner as we do ourselves. Let me see here. I'm looking for this scripture. Where is that? Matthew 8. Okay. I missed something here. I do want to go back and hit this. Go back to the first page. I knew I missed a scripture here. Uh, it says something here about each, each morning or each day we begin anew afresh. I threw in a scripture here, Lamentations 3. 22 and 23. Let's read this. Through the Lord's mercies we are not con consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Anybody ever had a long night where you've laid there and cried yourself to sleep or you couldn't even cry yourself to sleep? You wish you could cry yourself to sleep. The mind, you'd had an argument, you'd had something going on and you just Oh, my, you're just, you know, it, it's a rough night, you know, and could have been your fault, could have been the other person's fault. You know, I've had some nights of both when I couldn't wait to get up the next morning and call someone and apologize. <laughs> you know, hey, I, you know, I've, I've spent a, 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 a un, very uh, unrestful night here, and I want to get things squared away. So, and then he, he mentions here also in this second paragraph, he mentions the word vapor. We learn that our life is but a vapor. So we should leave each day as if it were our final one. You know, James says that, doesn't he? In James 4.14, he says, Don't you know what will... You do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Man, it, isn't that true? You know, we think that, eight, you know, live to be 80, 90 years old, that's a long, full life. But in the big scheme of things, that's just a drop in the bucket, isn't it? We get to spend eternity with Christ. Eternity, forever and forever. So, again, I wanted to throw those two scriptures in there. They're not in your, in your book. So, number, number one, word-filled husbands love. Now let's go to number two, word-filled husbands lead. We follow, who, who is our leader, guys? Jesus. He's the one we follow. We follow his example. 
And I may have a scripture there. No, that's we already used it. Okay. Uh, like Christ, we must invest the time together with our wives to explain, discuss, work through the way that we would fill our lives as a couple with the word. Godliness is always the key. Nothing is more irresistible for a spiritual woman than a godly man. Is that true, ladies? Do you like a godly, a godly man that has values and has principles? And so, uh, guys, <clears throat> did you hear me? <laughs> you want to be irresistible? There you go. Here it is. Nothing is more irresistible for a spiritual woman than a godly man. That's the bar, isn't it? Be a godly man. Be a man of principle. Do what you're going to do what you say you're going to do. Live your life loving God. So, let's move on here. How to love your wife with Christ's love. There's five characteristics here. Uh, and this is going to be question three on your outline. How to love your life with, or love your, hello, your wife with Christ's love. Number one, intimacy. Number two, romance. Number three, humility. Number four, transparency. And the big one, service. All right. Since, you know, intimacy can be a sensitive subject. We were joking there before church that I usually pass this off to John. <laughs> when we get to this, we... We understand intimacy, I think, as adults here in this, in this room tonight. But he says part of God's blueprint for marriage is that husbands are to cleave to their wives. That was part of God's plan. He designs uh, uh, sex. He, in, he designed intimacy uh, with a man and a woman that are, are wives, husband and wife. Cleaving means intimacy, which transcends sex. God expects husbands' lives to encompass every dimension of their beloved wives loves wives lives emotionally spiritually and physically uh, and this of course involves being around each other uh, something happened you know if you look back at your if you can remember when you first fell in love with that with that spouse there was some, there was a connection wasn't there well, sparks flew yeah and then before long something else flew right and uh, you know hopefully uh, again it's uh, it goes plumb back to this, and God, God knew that this would happen. You know, you look at the anatomy of a man and a woman, hello, and you know it's something that is not only, you know, with animals, it's more for procreation, but God with, did something special with man and woman. It's, you know, that's part of it, but it's also, you know, sexual fulfillment. There's desires that we have, just like we have appetites for food, and God knew, he saw that man was lonely, he saw all the other animals, and they had someone, and man didn't. He said, I'm going to make him a helpmate, someone that will be with him, that will complete him, that will be everything that, that he needs. So he did that, and, uh, and I, I tell everybody, he made woman, wow, wow man, right? <laughs> Husbands in the process of discussion should, ins should ensure that there is intellectual agreement on major issues. This promotes spiritual harmony, which in turn encourages sensitive appreciation of a mate's physical and emotional responses putting deposits in right 
coming together. Sometimes it involves having discussions, whether it's finances, whether it's children, whether it's business, uh, uh, but again, valuing and cherishing each other's uh, opinions. Anybody want to jump in here and comment? I'm just talk, talk, talking up here. John. Jennifer's turning red now. No, go ahead. <laughs> that person you really loved yeah I'm with you and Paul even talks about you know in one of his epistles there about going into a, a someone besides your your wife you know type thing and the, that you become it's a connection that can you know affect you uh, in in many ways now, it's not just an act it can uh, you know affect and and if you are married you know it can definitely cause some, some problems Lisa Cleaving. Right. Right. Because when you're in that act, you're connected every way, physically, spiritually, mentally. I mean, it's, 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 uh, yeah, totally, totally agree. Okay, romance, guys. That's his glue. A word-filled husband understands that intimacy opens the way for the ultimate union of life with his wife. Sex is so much more than body. It is here we're talking about it just a minute ago. It is soul, spirit, heart, and mind. Romance starts at the kitchen sink. <laughs> when a husband steps up behind his wife, she's not looking back there. She's... She's hiding out. I do this to Bev sometimes, right? At the is it at the kitchen sink or somewhere there by the center island? Just let her know I really, uh, a little sign of affection. Let me just put it that way. All right, so um, now I'm turning red. <laughs> uh, it starts at the kitchen sink, and then it builds. It can build and build and build throughout the day, right? It builds by calling our wives sometimes in the day honestly expressing so that we can't stop thinking about them and just had to hear their voice. Isn't that sweet? Just had to hear your voice today, sweetie. Romance fills the room with the fragrance of love. It's not a stop at a fast food drive through Okay, guys? You understand the underlying meaning there, right? Romance flavors life like an ex exquisite five-course meal, which causes you to savor every bite, each course, and at the end of the meal, you sit back and feel satisfied completely. Always remember that sex is beautiful and godly because the Lord designed it, commanded it, and he blesses it. 
Of course, anything God designs, there's an enemy that wants to make it something that it's not designed to be. Amen. So, again, you'll see all the uh, pornography, all the, the junk of people supposedly just having wonderful and a great time, but it's, it's, it's vanity and vexation of spirit. So, God knew what he was doing. Amen. And, you know, we're going to talk about this maybe later here, I think under the love languages but no it's in the next chapter maybe his we'll go ahead and hit it right now we do this in counseling what do you think man's number one need is his needs sexual carol was grinning back there sexual fulfillment they did a, a survey of i mean and, and this may not be everybody but they, they surveyed a, a thousand men 500 men i don't know how many his number one need was sexual fulfillment. Number two was recreational companionship. Bev and I ride four-wheelers up in the Colorado. She's hanging on behind me for dear life. <laughs> right? Number three, an attractive spouse. That's important to a man. That's his third, third need. Number four, domestic support. He needs someone to help him with his children. Are you, is that, is that, am, I hit, am I hitting some of the big ones, guys? Number five, admiration. He loves to hear you brag on him a little bit, right? And give him some kudos. Is that the word? <laughs> no one can mow that yard like you, baby. Boy, it looks so, so good, blah, blah, blah. A woman, it's, it's not sexual fulfillment, but it's affection. There's a difference, right? affection it's not the act you know it's it's uh, and guys need to understand this it's it's affection letting her you know expressing your love and affection for her number two she likes conversation imagine that do women talk more than than men yeah it's just part of their not I'm not gonna say everybody every woman does but if I think we'll all agree they're more emotional so they like to express themselves more so Number two is conversation. Number three is honesty and openness. They like for you to be honest and open with them. Number four, uh, you know, the guy, it was domestic support. A woman, it's financial commitment. So wants to know that you're going to be the provider and take care of her, right? Is that right? Number five, then family commitment. You know, be a good father, be a good uh, husband, you know, family is important. Amen. So that's we kind of jumped ahead there for a minute, but uh, we're on uh, romance. This is glue, and let's see. Did I have a scripture there, Bev? Uh, let's see. Was that First Corinthians, or maybe that's in the next one? Uh, let's see. Having a hard time here tonight keeping up with my scriptures and. We'll, we'll wait on that. I think we'll wait on that, Bev. Anyway, romance, number three, uh, humility. Is it good for a man to be humble? Who is it that sings that song? Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Who is it that? Waylon Jennings? I can't remember. Huh? Can't remember? Mac Davis. Okay. Yeah. That's a conceited guy, isn't it? <laughs> Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way but 
We need to, guys, we need to learn humility, don't we? Very much so. Uh, John 13, I know that we have that one. This is the story here of Jesus demonstrating humility. What did he do? I mean, this is the, the last night that he's here on this earth with his, he, you know, he, he, all the power of, of heaven is at his disposal. And what's he doing? Washing feet. Let's read it. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own, he who were in this world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil, having already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper table and laid aside his garments. He took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet. And this, this was the job of the lowest servant in the house, was to wash the nasty feet. You know, our feet don't, mine do some days, but our feet don't get as nasty as they used to back then, right? It was um, Now in the summertime, we do, a lot of us wear open face sandals, so if you're like me, mine, mine get a little bit nasty. So he's, he's washing their feet and wiping them with the towel with which he was good. Anybody ever been to a foot washing in your life at a church? Me and Bob are the only. Did we do it here? Okay. Sean Strong did that? Okay. I forgot about that. Right there. Okay, yeah. Anyway, it, it's, it is a great sign of, I'm not saying that you have to rush home and wipe, you know, wash your wife's feet, but it, it does, it's very humbling to, to do that, amen, even, even today. So he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing you do not understand right now, but you will know after this. He's trying to tell him, isn't he? Peter said, you'll never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, then you have no part with me. Hmm, okay. So Simon Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Knowing about who? Judas Iscariot. So this is definitely a sign of humility. Is it hard to be humble in our families sometimes guys no shouldn't be for a god god-filled man should it loving and leading right loving and leading so number four transparency becomes his habit word-filled husbands give their wives complete openness communication and vulnerability i'm going to throw in the word honesty too right uh, just as Jesus will never leave us or forsake us, our wives need to know, feel, and hear from us our lifelong loyalty. I'm committed to you. I'm in this thing for the long haul. I want you in my life. I want us to uh, live our lives uh, until the last breath. You know, in the vows, you say that, don't you? 
Till what? Death do us part. He says, I tell my wife, Bonnie, in every way I can think of just how much I need her help, her counselor, her counsel, her companionship, her presence. If she loves my time, I give her time. If she loves gifts, I give her something she'll cherish. If she loves words, I give her quiet times of talking about whatever she needs to hear. It's vital that she feels all of her needs are being met in a loving manner. Sometimes, guys, we're trying to love our, our wives in the wrong way, aren't we? We're not speaking their love language. Well, it just, just so happens, I believe it was Gary Smalley that wrote the book, uh, The Five Love Languages. Anybody ever heard that book? Some of you pretty sure. So here on question number four, here's the five love languages. It's not in your book, so you'll just have to take notes on this one, and trust me, words of affirmation, that may be her love language. And in premarital counseling, I actually have a test that I can give you, and I'll, I'll find out what your love language is. You answer about 50 questions, and it'll, it'll pinpoint. It'll, it'll come out what's your love... It, has everybody had that done on you before? Okay, just about? Okay, all right. And there's different other personality tests and stuff too. But words of affirmation. Number two, acts of service. That may be the thing that just rings the bell, you know, just helping her out, you know, doing the dishes or, or feeding the cat. <laughs> Amen. Or uh, number three, physical touch. That may may be the thing and you're trying you know uh, you're trying to the words of affirmation but she wants physical touch uh number four receiving gifts ladies any y'all like gifts not not so much all right okay not a big deal i bet this is the one you want quality time does that does that ring a bell that's your number two all right quality time just hanging out together right no intrusions, no disturbances, just enjoying each other's time. Sitting out on the back porch or, or just drinking coffee. There you go. Something. So that's the five love language. Sometimes, guys, he says you're under transparency. Transparency, we need to ask for help. Some husbands are like cavemen. <laughs> they mumble, grunt, and go through life in a cloud of silence at home. But the way God wired wives is so that they want to be asked to help because they like to spend time with us. Sometimes it's just asking her to hold a tool. Every once in a while, I'm over at the barn, and I'm trying to do you know everything I can, but I have to call Bev. I say, hey, can you come over here and hold this tool or help me with? Sure, be right over there, you know. Well, when she does that, I'm putting a deposit. I didn't even realize it, but I think I am. It says here in the book that they like to feel needed is that right you like to feel needed now lisa is more the the fixer at your house right talked to them the other day she's hanging a ceiling fan <laughs> i'm like you go girl you rock you go right ahead and then calls me up the other day and borrows my power washer <laughs> so man it's uh you go hallelujah and it's it's what works right you, you, you talk about it, you discuss it, and what works for one marriage may not work for the other one. So sharing burdens, uh, I love this statement right here, underline it. A burden shared is cut in half. Is that good? Love it. You've got someone to help you carry it. 
uh, what does that say? Galatians 6 2. I think we have that one. Let's read that. Uh, I believe I put that on there. Yep. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know, we say it here at the house, even in the church family, that when one member hurts here, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. Mm-hmm. Carried them away. carry it away yes yes so good good point she's talking about Galatians 53 there last night in our in our uh, Bible study there but yeah carrying helping uh, each other carry the burdens confess struggles sometimes guys we we want to be macho and uh, (laughs) we want to carry it all you know what'd you say Jen couldn't hear you. They stuff it. There you go. That's true. We, I'm the man of the house. I, I, can, I can handle this. But confess struggles. There's nothing wrong with it. There's been times when Bev and I have had really good, deep conversations about struggles, perhaps, that we're going through with our children or church, ministry, uh, whatever. It's, it's, it's good. That's your partner. Express needs. To one another, uh, wives want to invest their time and strength in what will matter to their husbands and vice versa. Honey, I really need you fill in the blank type thing. Serving, that's the last one. Number five is his plan. Matthew 20, 26. This was the first scripture we had, Bev, but it's also here again here right now too. Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you, let him what? Be your servant. Whosoever desires to be first, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. I think everybody in this church understands serving. I know all of you that are here tonight do. And it's not just serving uh, in the church family, but it's serving in our family. Our family family amen so all right uh, I do like this I got to hit this before we go into leading uh, a servant has a master doesn't he since Christ is our master a husband leads his wife even as Christ leads his church so that kind of leads us into the second part of this uh, a husband loves his wife number two a husband leads his wife and there's five things here too we're gonna hit those quickly uh, that uh, this is on question number five. There are five characteristics of Christ's leadership that men should emulate. Number one, sacrifice. Kindness. I looked over there at Sheila just now, and, and this, wasn't, this wasn't a sacrifice for my wife in Hobbs, but I may have mentioned this. I had a gold wing Honda. And when she turned 16, I sacrificed <laughs> that Gullwing Honda for her, a 1988 
Grand Dame Pontiac. You remember that car? What was her name, that car? Thelma? Thelma. She drove Thelma for I don't know how many t- years. Probably eight or ten years. She, she wore Thelma out. <laughs> but anyway, sacrifice. Sometimes it, you know, there's only so much money that comes in, right? How many of y'all have a, anybody in here live on a budget? Anybody stick with us? Yeah, okay. All right. That's good. I'm, I'm proud of y'all. Some people don't. Yeah, I fix to say now with inflation, I would think you would almost have to. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so sometimes you know that she wants something, right? There's some little dress or some little knick-knack, and man, you, you, you work an extra shift or something, right? Or you, you make some kind of sacrifice for her, and, and guess what? She does it for you, too, all the time, too. So sacrifice is his method. Matthew 28 says just, and we just read this a while ago, so we won't look it back up. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So sacrifice. Number two, kindness is in his touch. We now have in our breakfast nook a sign about, well, it's bigger than this. It's little bit probably two inches bigger all the way around it says kindness changes everything and so that's the motto Bev found that (laughs) is that funny I thought it was for me (laughs) see all along I thought she bought it for me because she's she's very kind until about 830 (laughs) The kindness starts ebbing, and that's kind of what started this. I would, we'd been married I don't know how many years, and she's the sweetest person you'd ever want to you'd ever want to meet. But three or four or five years into our marriage, something was going on, probably because she was hadn't got enough sleep the night before. But I, I looked over there and I said, "Your kindness is ebbing." <laughs> so it's still still a joke to this to this day. That uh, so that's. Maybe the reason she got the sign, I don't know. But it's usually, I'm, I'm probably more rude, crude than she is. I, she's shaking her head, but I think so. Anyway, uh, where are we at? Uh, sacrifice and then kindness. We know how to do that, right? Kindness is so important. Strength is in his presence. I like this. Do women want a strong man? Strong shoulders. In, in premarital counseling, we talked about protector of the home. A word-filled husband will love his wife by being there for her, protecting her, making her feel secure in his love. She needs to feel that. She needs to know that, doesn't she? Like Christ, her husband will never leave her or forsake her. Does she need time alone, away from the burdens of home and family during her monthly cycle? Then send her off to a bookstore to drink tea and read her Bible or just look at magazines and think. How about the loss of a parent in the past? Do you remember and comfort her? These are just some suggestions to start a lifetime of sacrificing your time to show her she's special, loved, and your focus. Be there for her needs by studying her life because you love her so much. Good advice, guys, right? Tenderness, you know, we, we we can be the protector and we can be Rambo, but then 
I think a woman wants a man to be tender too. Amen. I've seen big men have the heart of a teddy bear. You know, right there, John is a good example. And when I was pastoring in Hobbs, there was a, I had a big motorcycle rally. And there was a guy that came all the way from El Paso. His name was Lurch. Nearly seven foot tall. When he came through the back door, he had to turn over like this. But, and I told him when I was preaching that Sunday, I said, my bodyguard's here. <laughs> Today came and carried a big old Dake's Bible. I mean, that's maybe bigger than a Dake's Bible for a big, big man. But he had the heart of a teddy bear. Just, you know, here he's riding a Harley and got a beard and... You know, you'd think, oh, my God, I don't want to meet this guy in a dark alley, but just just loved people, you know. So tenderness is on his tongue. And, you know, a word-filled husband will practice one of the simplest yet most neglected ways of communicating love by words spoken kindly, warmly, warmly and directly to his wife. Tender words, amen? Tender words, and you know the story. I may have told this before, but I'll do it. it takes about a minute. Uh, there was a young man uh, going out on his first date, and uh, he was all scared, you know, kind of nervous. Any, any of you guys remember that? And first, you're nervous and everything, and and uh, so he tries to get some advice from from this guy, and so this guy told him. He said, uh, this older man said, "Yeah, you're, you know, just just kind of pull over there on the side of the road and." The moon will be shining in the window and just put your arm up around her and say, when I look at you, time stands still. And so, you know, he, okay, okay, but I got to remember that. So now he's, he's got it rolling in his brain. You know, he's like, okay, so they go and eat. They, they, you know, eventually pull over by the side of the road and then the moon's shining in the window and he knows it's the right moment but he forgets what the guy said and he says you got a face that'll stop a clock <laughs> so uh, again guys tender tenderness right is what and words expressing ourselves is what it's all about right all right lastly praise we're gonna stop right here praise is his gift wow the women like to be praised we mentioned a while ago that man's fifth need was admiration women women love to be praised as well uh and that's you know we talk about the proverbs i like the way the author says this proverbs 31 we think of that as the chapter for women it describes the wonderful woman but there's one line in there that talks about the husband it says her husband here's his job he praises her he lets it be known in the streets what a wonderful woman God has blessed him with. So, all right, we will stop right there. We are out of time. Next week, we're going to talk about some danger signs of a man unfulfilled with the word. So, all right. Let's see. Is there one other blank here we need to? Okay, that'll we'll get that next week, actually. Okay. That'll be at the... How many, how many of you know how to lead someone to God? Kind of the Romans road, okay, all right. We should know that. He, I love it that he, uh, he sticks that in this book. You know, I think it's very important. We, he uses four points, and I used to use the Romans road years ago when I was knocking doors in Ardmore many, many years ago, but 
Now, I've kind of knocked it down to three. Admit you're a sinner. ABC, I call it. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. C, confess. Uh, confess him as Lord and Savior. A little, little simpler, but we'll, we'll, we'll go over this method too because it does show that, you know, you show them that all have sinned, I've sinned, you've sinned, God made a sacrifice for our sins and he paid the price for your sins. And, but we'll get into that next week. All right, let's stand. This mic is a little bit hot. Maybe keep bumping it around here. Praise the Lord. Anybody learn something tonight? Hopefully, right? Be a, a, better, a better husband and have a better marriage. Lord, that's the goal. That's the reason we're doing this tonight, Lord, is just to, to learn how to be better. Lord, we started this year off, Lord, with that theme, better. Better church, better family, better as individuals, Lord. Learning more and more from you and to be more and more like you. In all of our roles in life, husband, father, grandpa, Lord, just, just all these different roles that we play. God, help us. You can help us. So, Lord, we as husbands tonight, we, I pray over all of our husbands. Lord, I pray over our wives tonight. God, just bless our families. Best bless these marriages. Lord, if there's one here, there's friction in the home and there's strife and there's turmoil. Lord, I just speak life and healing and health in the name of Jesus. Lord, we praise you. We thank you tonight. Amen.